Welcome to the Wellcast. Life is messy. We're here to help you sort it out. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Wellcast. Well <laughs> I hope I was louder than you and people listen to me more. I'm going to edit it and turn it up so that I'm louder. Oh, oh, you do have that back-end capabilities. Yeah, it's a secret gift. Actually, to be honest, I don't edit a thing anymore because we have the one and only Gabe, who yeah. is an incredible part of our team. We love Gabe. We he love helps Gabe. edit our podcast. Shout out to Gabe. Well, Mike, why is this episode different? Yeah, so typically we've brought in a superstar guest and talked about a topic that they're passionate about. This week we have two mediocre guests <laughs> because we are them. And yeah, don't stop listening. Yeah, please. don't stop listening. Yeah. We're, we're going to do well, our I best. I guess, yeah, you could, but please <laughs> hang out with us for the next half an hour. Yeah, yeah, we got some good stuff planned. I'm excited for this episode. And really just instead of talking about a topic, Jordan, you and I both are built on this uh, principle that we want to be lifelong learners and that God is constantly mm -hmm. growing us. So we yeah. thought we'd do an episode on what God's doing in our life through books and through his word and just in general in our life and see what principles we kind of glean from what God's teaching us. I have this principle that I communicate constantly in my ministry and that we are always being formed. Yeah. We are always being shaped into something. And mm -hmm. I think I heard a long time in the church that you could be stagnant in mm. your faith, right? You've probably heard that before. Sure. Like, I'm just feeling really stagnant in my faith. Yeah. Stagnancy implies a sort of like a non-moving body of water, right? Right. But there's a theologian named Dallas Willard. Mm -hmm. I remember reading one of his books, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, there's no such thing as a stagnant Christian, that we are always being shaped and formed in a direction. Yeah. The question is, what are you being shaped by? And what are you being shaped into? Mm, that's good. And how are you being formed? What yeah. is forming you? And uh, we've talked before in that, you know, spiritual formation, stuff like that. And so we thought it would just be cool to kind of let you guys in on what God is shaping us and hope that you kind of glean from that. You guys may have noticed, which is cool, that Mike, his voice is remarkably the same, which is very... <laughs> Very disappointing to him because he just had a, some kind of, he had a nose job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. No nose job, but did get a nasal surgery, which is, nasal is a weird word. It's uh, kind of grosses me out a little bit, but. Nasal? Yeah. I don't know why. Oh, nasal. too close to navel. Nasal. The other day, my son was wrestling one of my best friends who is like six, seven. Big dude. It was really cute. Two and a half year old wrestling a six, seven guy, right? Mm -hmm. His shirt comes up a little bit and his belly button's exposed, <laughs> and he has a pillow on his face because that's what my son did to him. And he looks over at me and goes, is your son playing with my belly button? <laughs> and I looked over, and my son had just in that moment picked a piece of lint out of his belly button and goes, that dad, what's that? <laughs> it would have been really funny if you're like, no, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, his, and my first reaction was, don't eat it. Yeah. Please. So, uh, what, so what happened with your nose job? Yeah. Well, I'll tell a little story before we get into what we're actually learning. You couldn't breathe before, right? Well, yeah. So I couldn't sleep at night. So it was like, I was, I'm a mouth breather. Was this, this is way more than people <laughs> want to know well, about Well, and me. that is typically how I describe you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, Mike, so, the mouth breather. So I would wake up at night like 10 times a night. Did you snore? No, no snoring, oh. but, but it would just, I would have dry mouth and whatever. So the doctor says I need surgery. So I'm going to share something with you that I've only shared with my wife and Chase McCall. And now thousands and of now, other people. Yes, thousands of people. Chase McCall, one of our worship pastors. Yeah. So I secretly hoped that somehow I would come out of surgery and like be able to sing. 
Oh my god! So like, I was hoping that like my nasal passage was the reason why I couldn't <laughs> sing. Like, you know, I always wonder like, why can other people sing and I can't sing? Like, I sound like the worst singer in the yeah. world. And when I'm worshiping with people in church, I feel really bad for them You're because like, they're whoops. standing next to you me. You stand and in then, the front row, so you don't have to sing in the. Yeah, anybody, but they never yeah. sit next to me the next week. It's That's like true. it's definitely me. But I've been there. Alas, it did not change my voice at all. The other day, I was preaching through Ephesians 2, 1 through 11 at the youth group, mm. and I there is this section that is verses 3 through 11 mm-hmm. that was probably a hymn in the early church that Paul is actually quoting. And I told them, I was like, this is actually a song that they sang together and that they would have memorized. I didn't start singing it, but I started to read it because mm. I wanted them to hear it in its entirety. And I literally heard some people go, ah. Oh, yeah. They thought I was going to like Whitney Houston style, oh. take the stage. They believed in you. And just, okay, guys, now's my time <laughs> and reveal my singing voice. I, wish I, I stopped did. after reading one voice and I was like, did some of you think I was going to sing that yeah. right now? And they were like, yeah. I was yeah. like, I can't. <laughs> well, alas, anybody who's listening out in podcast land and knows how to turn me into a better singer, everyone around me will Yeah, he needs lessons. It. Also, last night, Mike, I broke my phone screen at youth group. Oh, is that work? I was t- putting together a meeting, two leaders and me, uh-huh. and we were kind of syncing up our calendars. And then I have these like, you know, Jimmy Dean fingers, sausages, my phone flew out of my hand. Mm-hmm. And you know when you try to catch it in the middle of the air yeah. and you end up like Getting making it, it you swatted it, yeah. right? So I just bought a new case, which cost me all of $9. Mm-hmm. And well, it, it really cost you your phone. It really showed me. <laughs> yeah, those $9 actually is going to end up costing me a lot more money. <laughs> yeah. And it really showed me that sometimes you get what you paid for because I do have a spider web on it now. You should submit a worker's comp claim for your phone <laughs> to see if it works. I use it for work. It's yeah. an appendage, right? Did I'm basically disabled now. <laughs> yeah. You are, yeah. yeah. In ministry, you're disabled that Oh, phone. man. Well, Jordan, tell me, and the millions of people that are listening, what are you reading right now? Like, what resources are you reading? What, mm-hmm. How are you learning? What's God doing through what you're reading? Well, I mean, so ministerially, there's a couple of research groups that published a lot of new research. Some of it was encouraging. Some of it was kind of discouraging and disheartening. Some of the things that I read today, I mean, they published like these packets on, if you're not familiar with it, that basically encompass a whole sort of generation or Mm. a group of people. Mm -hmm. And this one was the Gen Z, iGen, who I work with. And they had said that of all students that are in this age range, you know, kind of middle school to young adult who are already affiliated with church, they simultaneously feel completely disconnected by using technology to connect to the church. But at the same time, so it was a almost 70% mm-hmm. of them feel disconnected when they only connect digitally, which is natural, right? We right. need each other. We need a human interaction. Yeah, that's um, what we're created for. It's the body. Yep. But that combined with they asked, how important do you feel a physical gathering of the church is? And less than 50% said it was important. Mm. And so these are kids who are already connected to the church, Yeah, saying it's not important to be there. I mean, you're seeing me in process. I haven't quite figured out what that means for the way that we reach towards them and reaching out through technology to push towards the importance of the body and the gathering of the body. But there's a real sense of disconnection. And I really feel that, I mean, obviously COVID has amplified this to the 10th degree. But if we are a fabric as a community, we are fraying. 
at the edges. Yeah. And we've seen that fraying get a lot worse lately. Yeah, and I think it's so important for us in, in whatever ministry we do or whatever community we're in to really start to ask the question, what does reconnecting look like? What yeah. does it look like in the season where, you know, people are starting to get vaccinated and yeah, I think the CDC is behind the times a little bit, but what does it look like for us to begin to enter back in to the communities that at one time were so important to our lives, you know, friend groups and families mm -hmm. and churches and, you know, things like that, because we really have experienced isolation. And I think sometimes when you're so close to something, you don't recognize the negative impact that it's had on your life. But I know so many people who are dealing with depression, mild depression even, just just because they've been separated from their community for so long. And it, it just goes to show you that there really is a huge need for us to be doing life together. Yeah, it, it has been really challenging to minister through this season and feeling like I, I almost have two sides of the coin in my ministry and that I've seen students who a lot of things in their lives didn't happen, so they were more available than ever, spent a lot of time with us in community yeah. over the last, I guess I would call it like nine months now that we've been meeting back in person outdoors and in open air facilities and things, whatever, right. wherever we go, right? Yeah. And they've thrived. They've felt a greater sense of community. They've felt like a connection to the body. But then you have, I mean, COVID being almost like an amplifier. I think that desire was there and the availability wasn't. Now the availability is there and the desire being there amplified that whole situation. I think those who were on the fence about their faith, those who resisted things like partying, things like, you know, I would call practices that bring death and that are, you know, sort of large checks that the world writes that it can't cash in the hearts of students, promises that it can't keep. They have sunken extremely deep into those things. Mm -hmm. And the death that that has seen, I, I mean, we haven't, I haven't seen any physical death in the students, but the spiritual death, the dissatisfaction, the sadness, the disintegration of those communities, whole life groups that have felt like they're falling apart and not really sure what their identities are. It's a sad thing. Yeah. And so I think the need for the body to pave the way into what does it look like to safely and faithfully gather, be there for each other, and remember our interdependence. You know, the rugged individualism of America is not doing anyone any good if it pushes us further away. Yeah, Christianity is not an individualistic thing. No. And I think another thing that, that brings to mind is as things start to open up, and as we kind of get back to normal, we're going to be faced with a, a timeless question as to whether or not we pursue comfort or community. Mm -hmm. And really, it is a question of or because a lot of people over the last year have gotten comfortable sitting in their pajamas on a Sunday morning, singing a few songs in their living room and not going to church, but actually watching church. Mm -hmm. And I think that ecclesiology of us yeah, like being the, the church, church yeah. like you don't go to church, you are the church. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that, like it really does push against this idea that mm -hmm. we can sit at home on a consistent basis. A one-off, that's fine. That's not a big deal. But on a consistent basis, we were not meant to watch church. Yeah, uh, We were meant to be the church. And, and we do that in the context of community. That's good. Yeah. I've also been reading a book called Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. And okay. I finished it recently. And I think the challenges for me in that are... 
One, I grew up in a setting that was, I would say, unhealthy as far as its, you know, end times beliefs. And, you know, whatever your end times beliefs are, it's not necessarily what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about like an obsession with the end of the world that kind of makes you no good right now. Yeah. And I was never actually taught a theology on the new heavens and the new earth. Right. And N.T. Wright, being sort of the scholarly theologian he is, does a great job of unpacking and understanding that it is a sometimes a fulfilling reward for our life here in obedience. And we're promised exaltation out of obedience, just mm -hmm. as Christ was, right? But the point is that God is going to recreate Eden here, that he's going to renew the earth, and that it'll be a physical thing. We will be able to contribute to that. And not only that, we're promised our work here is not in vain. Yeah. And so as we pray kingdom come, we're actually bringing that future kingdom, the ethics of the kingdom come here and now. So that's why we do the things we do. Like we don't just say the world's going to burn. Let's kind of just only focus on, you know, like one sort of spiritual practice. It is how are we all interconnected and how do we bring the kingdom of God here and now faithfully in a way that God promises us won't be in vain. Mm. And that's been pretty challenging to me. I don't think I think of myself as an eternal being all the time. Yeah, You know, I think it's kind of like the YOLO, this is here and now. I get wrapped up in the things that are here. But if I truly do have eternity with God in his Perugia presence, mm -hmm. then, man, I can have a greater perspective with eternity that looks like me being self-sacrificial, thinking of others first, building things for other people, celebrating others rather than myself, and then looking to see the beautiful things, the ethics of Christ, the mind of Christ expressed here and now. Yeah, that's so good. I think yeah. that point of bringing the kingdom to the here and now is such a good perspective on obedience, right? Mm -hmm. We're not obedient to the point of just checking boxes, but we get to experience the kingdom here and now when we bring the ethics of the kingdom into our, our daily lives. I think that's a really good perspective. Well, what, I mean, I've done a lot of talking. What, yeah. what, what, have you, uh, what have you been learning? Yeah, so I'm reading this book. It's called Where Prayer Becomes Real. It's by Kyle Strobel and John Coe. I think for me, it's been a an interesting time of trying to dive into some of the areas of my life where I've kind of just been cruising. And I think prayer is one of those things where I've always done it. I always been a, a man of prayer, but I've never actually fully understood it. Like mm -hmm. I've never fully enjoyed everything that I think God has for me in prayer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I pray, I pray out of obedience. I pray because God calls me to. But I think there's a, an enjoyment of God that I miss sometimes mm. where he's just calling me to enjoy him and to be with him. And what's interesting is Strobel and Co., they talk about uh, one reason why we don't enter into prayer or enjoy the fullness of prayer is because we feel like somehow we have to pray out of our devotional goodness instead of our broken reality. And this idea that you have to go before God and be something that you're not, you mm -hmm. have to use million dollar words, these theological sounds. When the Bible actually says we don't know how we ought to pray. And so it, it's been an interesting journey. I'm actually just starting. I'm on chapter two. But the, even the first chapter, it, he talks about your mind wandering and how what if we looked at our mind wandering during prayer as actually an opportunity to search our deepest desires 
and how mm. our mind wanderers go to our deepest desires. The Lord wants to hear our deepest desires. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to be ashamed of the wandering mind. We actually accept it and utilize it in our prayer life yeah. to examine our hearts and the deepest parts of our desires. And it's really been freeing. And one of the things I've loved the most about this book is at the end of each chapter, there's an intensive time of prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's not a quick read because there's actual time that you have to put into the application of each yeah. chapter at the end. And one of the things that I did in response to starting this book even is I went and spent three hours with the Lord in the middle of nowhere, just kind of getting away. And it's funny because you know me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy with a long to-do list and mm-hmm. I like to bring that to-do list into my prayer life. So yeah. I show up and I'm like, all right, God, I want answers in these three areas. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like God, answer these three. I'm going to spend three hours. If sometime in the next hour you can answer number one, that would be great. Like I, I totally came <laughs> yeah. with an agenda, right? Mm-hmm. An agenda of prayer. And I think a lot of people who are listening probably resonate with that, right? We bring our needs before God. Mm-hmm. We, we say, God, direct me in this area, direct me in this yeah, area. Yeah, there's something good about that, right? You're aware of maybe your anxieties and you're bringing them to the Lord. Or, yeah. yeah, which there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. In fact, the Lord, like I said, wants to know the desires of our hearts. Mm-hmm. He wants us to share those things. However, I think in that moment, I just felt the Lord impressing on me the word no. I'm like, Lord, just answer these questions. And Come on, it's easy. Yeah. It's like, it's like this I'm is what I want. I'm giving you a layup, God. Hey, God, do this because it's what I want from you. Like he needs your assist. Yeah. Or even just needs to abide by what I, my expectations of mm-hmm. him are. And I think as I got alone and silent, and Brad talked about silence and solitude a few, a few podcasts ago. We talked about prayer. And as I got alone with the Lord, I got the sense that he was just saying, I just want you to be with me. Like, just be with me for these three hours. Mm-hmm. Let's just hang out. Like, let's just be mindful of me. Be, be sitting with me. Let me minister to you. And it was just, I, I left there literally with no answers. Well, but how'd you feel? I felt great. I felt great because there's something beautiful about communing with God. Mm-hmm. There's something beautiful about getting away. It, it's, it's why I love Hume Lake, right? You go up there, you have no phone, you have no mm-hmm. distractions. You can just hear from the Lord and not yeah. in an audible sense, but, but in like, a, he just impressed on my heart. Like I walked yeah. away from that with the satisfaction of knowing the God of the universe wants to just be in relationship with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, all of that to say yeah, that it's beautiful, man. this book is well, even it's starting, challenging. starting to challenge me in some Do you ways. have like... I mean, your personality is more of a to-do list. It's a guy who's, I think you're always growing more towards intimacy with God, right? I have to work at it, yeah. Yeah. And the, the beauty is I know I know what's out there. Like, I know the reward of intimacy with God. So you know, people me, have done it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it keeps me longing for it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't just, like, go, ah, nah, I'm not naturally wired that yeah. way. Like, I need to pursue it more than somebody who just naturally is a feeler, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody who feels God. I'm not an emotional being. You've joked that I'm dead inside. I don't know that I'd actually <laughs> go that far. But I don't... Well, God, I mean, the good thing is God, he's in the business of raising the dead, so... Yes, yeah. perfect, mm-hmm. perfect. But I think the, the beauty is when you read God's word and you know what he wants for you, you strive for those things even if they don't come naturally. Yeah. Because you know there's a reward. God doesn't just 
want something for you for no reason. Mm -hmm. There's a reward of, of being with God. And so I'm starting to experience that reward. And it's been an encouraging time of growing mm -hmm. in intimacy with God. I certainly haven't arrived, but I'm excited to continue. This is like the third book in a row on prayer that I'm, I'm reading because I, yeah. I think it's so important. I don't know how you pastor without being a man of prayer. And yet it doesn't come natural. So I'm trying to continue. Yeah, and we all feel like, I think sometimes we feel like something like solitude or three hours on your own, right? It feels like we feel guilty. Or what am I missing out on? Yeah. Right? So you even have FOMO, like, oh no, like, you know, I have this fear of missing out. Or also I'm just like, is my wife going to be bitter yeah. at me? You know, like. Uh, my kid's going to resent me. Yeah, yeah, I think. And obviously, if you did that every day, like, hey, you're probably not a good dad. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> hey, kids, I'm going to spend eight hours away from you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but don't worry. It's with the Lord. He's my first. Yeah. I remember this quote from Martin Luther that always sticks with me where he says, like, I have so many things to do in my mm -hmm. day. I cannot help but pray. So through my church history class, he actually, when he had big decisions to make, mm -hmm. most of us would, would be like, okay. I have a busy day or I have a big decision to make. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to spend less time in prayer because I need more time to think through this. Yeah. And he actually, he would say, God can do more in one hour than I can do in one day. Mm -hmm. And so why wouldn't I spend more time in prayer? Yeah. And so he would spend more time in prayer the busier his day was, yeah. which is crazy to me. Well, and it's acknowledgement that you, that's what you need more than anything. Yeah. And often, like you said, it's the first thing that goes out the window. Well, and I talked about this in the prayer episode, but Tim Keller talks about how prayer and humility are tied in together. Mm -hmm. In his book on prayer, he talks about how really prayer, it doesn't matter how prayer works. Yeah. If we ask the wrong questions, really prayer is an opportunity for us to acknowledge that we are finite humans in need of an infinite God. Yeah. And so however it works, it, it, it really is a mystery. And when you pray, you encounter the God of the universe, your creator. Yeah. And true humility looks like the creation in the presence of its creator, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. You encounter that holy God. You have no point of pride in that moment. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So anyway, that book's been really great. And, yeah. and I know, you know, we want to talk a little bit about what we're reading, what, what books we're talking about, but also yeah. I know we're both diving into God's word. What? So like for me, the temptation, I think is probably, I could probably speak more eloquently on like the book of Philippians, which I've been preaching through. Mm -hmm. I had a mentor challenge me recently to start reading through the gospels again. And so I think there's an appeal about the epistles, the letters, right? They're more digestible. They have more propositional truth. They're kind of, you know, structured in a way that feels a lot more understandable as a whole. Yeah, It's three or four pages, you know, but then you think about reading a gospel, right? You're like, okay, well, I'll be reading that for a couple weeks, right? I'll be mm -hmm. reading that for a few weeks maybe, right? I just started in Matthew. I just finished Mark. And well, one of the things he said was like, you can probably quote a lot of Paul, but when is your first thought as well to push people to the words of Jesus? And I was like, hmm, you know, I don't know. Probably because sometimes what Paul says is a little more like quotable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think I'm demystifying that in my head. And it's not that there's an opposition between the two. No, I simply think that Jesus is our Messiah. Yeah. And as we process his words, that should color everything in our theology, in our daily life, well, and the way we Paul, interact right? with other people. It did for Paul. Yeah, and he's the one who taught Paul those things, mm. right? Yeah, I've been walking through that. Like, what does that look like? How do I digest and understand these gospels in the same way 
that I do those letters mm -hmm. and the things that maybe are a little bit more digestible. How do I become a person that lets the narrative of Christ and Messiah impact my life in the same way that some of those more propositional organized letters would? Yeah. Yeah. And that's been good for me. I think it's humbling. Yeah. And I think I feel connected with the person of Jesus. Yeah. More than I have in the past. Well, and I just got done teaching Luke today, literally today, mm -hmm. last day of teaching Luke in residency. Yeah. And I think the the beauty is the gospels raise your awe of Jesus. Mm -hmm. When you see the things that he said, when you see the uh, amount of times that prophet, his own prophecy is fulfilled outside of his control, at, at least outside of his human control, and you experience the awe of Christ, it really is an encouraging thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that you experience that same way through the yeah. epistles. And I think letting the gospel be, for me, more than just sort of our atonement theology. Mm -hmm. I think the atonement is the centerpiece of what we call the gospel. Sure. But the whole life of Jesus is the gospel. Yeah. Right? And following him. And I don't think I, don't think I would have said before I read through these this time that sort of like the kingdom is the main centerpiece of his ministry. Yeah. I mean, it is all over that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I mean, I've just really enjoyed some of the reorienting that I've had around that. How do I let the gospel be his whole life, death and resurrection? How do I let that story bleed through me as a believer and as well yeah. as a pastor? So yeah, that's where I've been. Uh, what about you? Like what's God teaching you through scripture? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. So I'm I'm reading, even though you dislike the epistles, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I actually yeah. hate. Yeah, <laughs> just for I'm the record, take Jordan this doesn't. Moment, yeah, to I, just I, yeah, draw, that's not, draw a that's line not a in thing. the sand. <laughs> but I'm reading the book of Ephesians right now, and it's just interesting. I, I'm dwelling on the security of salvation piece from Ephesians 1, 13 and fourteen, like this idea that that no matter how. I live my life, no matter how, um, no matter what decisions I make, no matter how good or how bad I am, that uh, he says that in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You like, guys, he read that right now. I did now read that. He I didn't, didn't quote remember. that. Said, That'd no. be cool though. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, <laughs> I just had to know for my own pride. But, but listen, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm reading it, but but like your belief in the gospel, the salvation is sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Like those words have so much weight. Like Paul is saying there is nothing you did to earn your salvation and there's nothing you can do to lose it. And you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Like that's that's huge. And you got a and down payment. It's a down payment. It's it's a guarantee. Mm -hmm. It is a guarantee. And uh, I, I think it's such a beautiful thought to just know, look, I didn't do anything to earn this and I can't do anything to lose it, that it's Christ's work in me. And I don't have to be perfect. And somebody who's wired like me, an achiever mindset, like it could be, it's, it's really easy to get into the mindset that you have to earn or, or earn the ability to keep your salvation, mm -hmm. even though I don't theologically believe that. Sometimes it works itself out practically in my life. And so just that reminder of God's word that yeah. you're sealed in the Holy Spirit. Does that like make you more mindful of the Holy Spirit? 
Yeah, yeah. I taught uh, pneumatology today also. In, Which is the study of the, the Holy study Spirit. study of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, Pneumos. Yes, yeah, so just the idea that the, the Holy Spirit is so active. Like it's not just that he dwells in us. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is a key part of what it means to live life as a Christian from the very fact that, that he was a, an active participant in the immaculate conception of mm-hmm. Jesus to all of the gifts that he produces in the life of believers to the fact that he's who calls us to Christ in the first place. Like he's active and working. And I do think that it's easy for a church in our tradition to, to kind of not on purpose, but neglect the importance of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We've talked about that in other episodes, right? Yeah. Sometimes we do the whole father, son, Holy scriptures and the Holy and the Holy Spirit ties very much into the stuff I just said about prayer too, mm-hmm. because it's the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. Well, and he's the one who reveals the Holy Scriptures. Right. Yeah. So anyway, I, I do think that that's a thing. And, that's and cool. It, yeah. And, and I think the, the second thing, if I can add another one that I'm learning. No. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I've heard enough from you. My turn. <laughs> I, I haven't said enough helpful things to earn, earn, <laughs> earn my next one, but I, I keep going back to Genesis 2. And I read this book two years ago called With by Sky Jethany. And it's, it was an incredible eye-opener to me uh, because I'm somebody who often tries to do life for God. Yeah. Like I try to make all of these accomplishments I for him. I think we're seeing a theme. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he points in the book back to Genesis 2, and he asks the simple question of why we were created. And he asked the question in light of the fact that God is a relational God. In in his very nature as a Trinitarian God, he is Mm -hmm. relationship. Mm -hmm. And so he created us not because he needs to, but because he simply wanted to be with us. And that hasn't changed. So when I'm trying to live life for God... I'm actually missing the very purpose for why I was created in the first place, which is to do life with God. Yeah. Which takes me back to my quiet time, three hours. Just, yeah. God says, no, I want you to be with me. So it's, I love how God works. I love how mm-hmm. he's kind of uh, work, chipping away at the same aspect of my life to, yeah. to form me in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, th- that's, that's just that's a, pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's a really cool I have this reminder. Like, conviction. Every year I go through a student leadership student leadership, uh, the, a section on spiritual disciplines and every year it's convicting to me. And this year I finally was like enough, Mm. right? I'm going to start doing some of these things in meaningful ways. And so I've been in the same way, trying to practice being with God. And a big part of that for me is silence and disconnection from technology. And similar to your sort of getting away experience, I want that to be a part of my day every day. And thus why your phone broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a message. I uh and so I've I, honestly man, it's been really challenging mm-hmm. because I am I just at the core of me believe my time is more important. Mm. And more sleep is more important, more more just more 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 for me yeah. rather than me and God. Yeah. And so I've been learning 5 minutes at the beginning of the day, 5 minutes at the end of the day is where I've started and it's been one of the most just kind of beautiful things in my life lately, as well as 
not listening to anything in the car when I'm alone. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, when I'm riding with my wife, I'm not like, be quiet. <laughs> I need to be with God. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I turn off no podcast, no radio, no music. Except for and, this podcast, right? Uh, no, not oh, even okay. this podcast, right. man. Right. And uh, I think I have, <laughs> I mean, although it's tempting, you know. Yeah, uh, of course. And I, man, it's challenging because I would love to escape. But the thing that it's had me do is confront my anxieties, my fears in the ways that I don't trust the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it forces me to bring him to him in a meaningful yeah. way. And the thing that he has, I simply would not have started this discipline without the other discipline. So I feel like some of these disciplines are dominoing in my life. Yeah. But he said to me, Jordan, you don't resist temptation through memorization of scripture enough. Mm. And so I just... I've been starting to like create a system for memorizing scripture. It comes out in my prayer. It comes out in my preaching. It comes out in my personal life and my resisting of temptation, yeah. my, the ways that I'm formed in every way. I've, I had a counseling session today with a student where in my mind, uh, Psalm 119, how can a young man keep his way pure by hiding or by uh, guarding it according to your, your word? And I just... I've got these things that I want to like come out of me now that I feel like I they're deposits into this bank that has been really helpful. Well, and it goes back to your mention of the Gospels, right? That's what Jesus did in Matthew 4. So he uses scripture mm -hmm. to defeat Satan and defeat the, the temptations that Satan put before yeah, him in the wilderness. Yeah, his own acquaintedness, but also the hiddenness of that word, the stored up in his heart, is what resists temptation, but then also false doctrine. Yeah. And uh, when, you know, Satan speaks false things from Scripture to right. him, he confronts that. And then ultimately through Scripture, he exercises power over Satan. Yeah. And so I'm, man, I'm just, that's where I'm at challenge-wise. What's God, like, challenging you for? I mean, we've talked about being with him, things, but is there anything specific that you can kind of leave us with? Yeah, I think more than anything, it's just the, the fight against self-reliance. I think if... I remember who God is and who I am in light of who God is. I have nothing to offer outside of what God has for me and what God does through me. Mm. And, and I think all That's of this... That's funny because there's a... To interject, Yeah, one of the other scriptures is Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth besides you. Yeah. I think really like... I think. All of us who are listening like to this podcast. Like he's teaching you to believe that truth? Yeah. Well, I think everybody who's listening to this podcast has a certain fleshly desire that they get pulled, <laughs> you know, towards. Well, so the 20, verse 26 says, my heart and my flesh might fail, yeah. <laughs> but you're the strength of my heart right. and my portion forever. Yeah. So, so Thank I, you for laying that up to me. I yeah, exactly. That, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little setup. But, but the idea is we all have some fleshly desire that we get pulled towards by the world. And for me, it, it really is a pride that manifests itself in self-reliance. And I think the idea of me, it's not a coincidence that I'm trying to bathe myself in prayer and intimacy with God, mm. because that breeds reliance on him. Yeah. And so I think if you're wired like me and you're listening and, and you really want to be the one that is the provider in your life, I think there's a beauty in a special relationship when you can humble yourself mm -hmm. and realize that whatever you have to offer is but filthy rags compared yeah. to what 
Christ has to offer through you. And so I think it's been a really great season yeah. of the Lord reminding me of that. Not yeah. in a not in a way to put me down, mm-hmm. but in a way to elevate him. Yeah, I love the way I'd say the pursuit of joy and humility is sort of a sideways pursuit. Mm-hmm. It's you shoot past those things, right? Mm. You shoot towards Christ, towards yeah. God. Intimacy with God produces joy and humility. Yeah. If you aim for joy, you don't always get it because no. it's circumstantial. But if you yeah. aim for God, who's eternal, never changing, mm-hmm. he'll give you joy. Yeah. If you aim for God, he'll show you you need to be humble because of who he is, right? Yeah. 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 And all of those things, it, it's amazing. All of the things of God kind of work they're interdependent. They all mm-hmm. work together. Uh, and so when you talk about joy and you talk about humility, it really is pursue first my kingdom and mm-hmm. all of it will be added unto you. It's that idea of just pursue God. And if, you, if you're struggling with one aspect of your life, uh, pursue God. Yeah. And he's going to continue. Kind of why work. they call it the fruits of the spirit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah Cause on your own, you can't do anything mm-hmm. about it. And that's why if you're trying to manage the fleshly desires in your life, you're going to fail time and time again. But God is the one, your love for him trickles down throughout your life yeah. and produces fruit. That's awesome, man. Well, we hope that this is beneficial for you guys. Yeah. If you got here and you stayed and you listened to us this whole time, <laughs> hey, congrats. Like a little special thank you at the end. Uh, it was the first time we've done this. And so uh, we appreciate you all. And uh, thanks for the wise words, Mike. I think, you know, maybe we'll do this again. Yeah, it was fun, man. It's, it's a good episode and hopefully people enjoyed it. See you guys next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Wellcast. As always, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about us. For more information about the Well Community Church, visit thewellcommunity.org.